century and had danced at the Marinsky Theater in Imperial St. Petersburg in the years before the Russian Revolution. She later joined the Ballet Russe in Europe and eventually settled in New York City to teach, but we all knew that some part of her was still elsewhere, in a world far from ours. Everything about her was different. She wore heavy makeup, long, false eyelashes, and sickly sweet perfumes, and I remember her bejeweled and dressed in a deep royal blue leotard with matching scarf, chiffon skirt, and pink tights that showed off her unusually long and still impressively muscular legs. Her movements, even when she wasn't dancing, were gracious and ornamented, elegantly conveyed in ways that we American teenagers could never quite replicate. There were others, too. Muriel Stewart, an English dancer who had performed with the legendary Anna Pavlova, Antonina Tumkovsky and Hélène Dudin, who were both from Kiev and had emigrated to the States after the Second World War. Dudin's feet were crippled. It was rumored the Soviets had broken them. And perhaps most striking of all, Alexandra Danilova, who had fled Leningrad in 1924 with Balanchine. Danilova was like Dubrovska, a former imperial dancer inclined to pastel chiffons, spidery false eyelashes, and heavy perfume. She had been an orphan in Russia, but we never for a moment doubted her aristocratic pedigree. She coached us on carriage and comportment, not just in dance class, but also in life. No t-shirts, slumping, or street food, reminding us that our training and chosen profession set us apart— Dancers do not look like the rest. All of this seemed to me at once perfectly normal and extremely alien. Normal because we knew that these were the masters, and we understood that they had something important to convey. Besides, there was something about standing so straight, about the body working so beautifully, and about our dedication and intense desire to dance that did set us apart— we really were, or so we thought, an elect. But the whole thing was also alien. Nothing was ever really explained, and the teaching seemed offensively authoritarian. We were expected to imitate and absorb, and above all, to obey. Please to do, was all the Russians could muster, and why was met with bemusement or flatly ignored. We were forbidden to study dance elsewhere, one of the few rules we blithely ignored. None of this sat well. We were children of the 1960s, and this insistence on authority, duty, and loyalty seemed outrageously old-fashioned and out of place. But I was too interested in what these Russians were doing to quit or go away. Finally, after years of study and watching, I realized our teachers were not just teaching steps or imparting technical knowledge— they were giving us their culture and their tradition. Why was not the point, and the steps were not just steps. They were living, breathing evidence of a lost, to us, past, of what their dances were like, but also of what they, as artists and people, believed in. Ballet, it seemed, was another world. I had cued with my mother to see the Bolshoi and the Kirov, stood squashed in standing room at the back of the Metropolitan Opera House to see American Ballet Theater in Barishnikov, crowded into class to watch Rudolf Nureyev execute a ballet bar. And it was not just ballet. 
New York at the time was a dynamic center of dance, and we studied and saw everything. Martha Graham, Merce Cunningham, Paul Taylor, jazz, flamenco, tap, the small experimental troops that performed in the city's studios and lofts. But to me, there was one overriding reason to dance, the New York City Ballet. These were the final years of Balanchine's path-breaking career, and the artistic and intellectual vitality of his company was electrifying. We knew that what he was doing was important, and we never for a moment questioned the primacy of ballet. It was not old or classical or dated. To the contrary, dance was more intensely alive and present than anything we knew or could imagine. It filled our lives, and we analyzed its steps and styles and debated every rule and practice with almost religious zeal. In the ensuing years, as I joined...